Paging Dr. Randy. Paging Dr. Randy. I just got on call and they're paging me already. They want me to do work as soon as I get to work. Come on. Let's go. Yes, you. Come on. Well, I'm Dr. Randy. Nice to meet you. I'm a licensed family medicine physician. Since you're on call with me today, I want to make sure you learn as much as possible. Me and a few of my special friends are here to give you all the tips and info you need to live a balanced, healthy life. Are you ready to be on call with me? I hope so. So let's get it going. Our shift starts right now. Welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy. I am Dr. Randy. Welcome to all my first-time listeners. I'm back with more health information. For who? For you, of course. For me, too? No, no inner voice. Not, not for you, too. Oh, man. This is for everyone else, not for you. So just, just go back and chill in the corner. Okay. This week, I'm discussing acupuncture treatment with my fellow colleague, Dr. Gio Shin. Dr. Shin is a Chung Aim Medical School graduate, which is a medical school in South Korea. She completed her family medicine residency at Emory. She's an avid scuba diver. And also, she completed acupuncture training at Harvard Medical School Acupuncture for Physicians. I know a lot of you are looking for alternative treatment options for certain conditions instead of taking medications. Well, acupuncture may be the treatment for you, but make sure to discuss this with your physician before trying acupuncture. We'll discuss the origins of acupuncture, what it potentially may help treat, and how long it may take to work. So let's get into the conversation with acupuncture with Dr. Gio Shin. And while you're listening, please fill out the short survey located in the show description so I can learn more about you. And follow me on social media at underscore Dr. Randy. And the short survey is only takes about 45 seconds. It's real short. So knock it out for me if you can. I'd greatly appreciate it. So let's discuss acupuncture with Dr. Gio Shin. So welcome back, healthy people, to On Call with Dr. Randy. Today I have my fellow colleague, Dr. Shin. How are you doing, Dr. Shin? Ooh, I'm doing good. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. More day off. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. I feel like we need to work on how to get that four day work week. Oh yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. Four day. Yes, yes, we gotta, we gotta go for it. So I wanted to bring Dr. Shin on to talk about acupuncture. She is one of the uh, physicians at my clinic who does acupuncture. So I thought it'd be a great topic to talk about another way besides medication that we can treat things such as inflammatory bowel disease, headaches, pain. We'll get into all the different treatment options that you can get um, from acupuncture. So what made you learn or want to get into doing acupuncture? Uh, you know, I mean, I grew up in Korea, so traditional medicine and Western medicine is I'm sort of exposed to both. Um, I personally got exposed when I sprained my ankles frequently and I was in uh, medical school. Um, got treatment for myself. And it's kind of amazing how quickly I could walk again and the swelling reduced. But I didn't think about much of things because I was focused on like learning science and other things. Um, and in political environment in Korea with acupuncture is like, it's sort of separation. Like 
we don't cross each other. So there's, you know, Eastern traditional medicine kind of route you learn and, and I was in the other route, so Western medicine. So basically science, you know, physiology, biology, what you're um, more familiar with. So after the uh, graduation, although I had a personal experience that was like oh, interesting, but, you know, got busy with the life and everything. Um, the person I got really interested in and then started maybe thinking about it was ooh, about the time I graduate and then when I got pregnant. Um, so around 2010, when I graduated from residency program, that's when all the opioid um, crisis, like whole social issues became more, you know, an issue because the thing we learn is like opioids, but then we can't use it anymore because of that, the whole issues. Um, so I had to like, okay, what are the options I have? You know, my patients are still suffering, whether they're addicted or not, whether it's a right treatment or not, but I didn't really have an options. And uh, I got pregnant and then I got into more, okay, maybe there's some something more I need to learn because there are many options for pregnant women to deal with a lot of different symptoms. You know, we had to just pray, basically, <laughs> let the pregnancy end just by the time. Um, so so I um, um, somehow I got a brochure with a holistic medicine. Like, oh, maybe there's some answer here. And I went to the conference uh, in Arizona, and then they had a big whole thing of a holistic medicine thing. This is around 2011, 12. Um, and then there's, uh, they would assign me a mentor and how to study this and how to uh, practice in our current clinical setting with the insurance and everything. So he recommended me to learn acupuncture. And then he said, there's like two programs uh, one's a Harvard Medical School. The other one was uh, West Coast, a HEM, H-E-L-M course. But the West Coast is kind of too far from me. So uh, I chose the East, um, East one. And that's where I got my acupuncture degree. So, um, yeah, so like mostly personal reason. But then, you know, I had to practice medicine, you know, in a sense where I didn't quite learn about much how to handle these uh, chronic pain issues. I don't think at the time none of us were like handling very well. Um, and, you know, we got confused a lot by the big farmers who was selling a lot of opioids. And then, um, but then, you know, by the time we got out, like, oh, that's not my option anymore, especially as a <laughs> primary care. So that's how I got started. Right. So you... Okay. So you mentioned that you received a lot of acupuncture treatment during your pregnancy. Um, what kind of treatments did you get with the acupuncture? Like, where did I they learned put the needle? Uh, acupuncture. I, I didn't like, I was uh, seeking some answers, right? right. I, oh, I was okay. Kind of tired. I was, my back was hurting. So I didn't, I didn't get to try it. I wish I did, but you know, I sort of after first trimester and then things got better too. But I was like, uh, my coping skill is to learn and to research and what other options are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I learned and like, okay. So, you know, when your brain is into something, you kind of forget other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the learning was my coping skill at the time. Okay. So what is acupuncture? So acupuncture is... Um, 
using a needle to treat many of our you know symptoms that our body expresses. It could be a pain, it could be a nervousness, it could be your stomach symptoms. As we're all learning, our bowel has more nerves now than the brain in some research. Um, depends on how you count, I guess. Um, so I think it's, it's a great way to reduce any of our symptoms that we're suffering from. Um, somehow I think it's, you know, it's like 3,000 years of uh, practice of a human body, how to touch and how to uh, release the symptoms. So it's uh, based on, I guess, observation science. It's not like a big randomized control statistical science, but it is how they learn. Um, so I think it's uh, just using needles is kind of interesting because you've got these pointy things that will prick our skin uh, that activates some of the receptors in our brain to respond a certain way. But usually that pre-causes more of a body's relaxations. So it originated in two different areas. Did it originate in Japan and China? And do they treat it differently, uh, the techniques? The, it originated initially in China. So 3,000 years ago. Uh, they had to have some way to treat royal family symptom. So um, that, that's how when the initial acupuncture came out and then they, you know, the royal family had the headaches or stomach problems with the herbs and um, the needles that they were able to treat their symptoms. But, you know, it, it's, um, it's gotten like the more and more population we, they start applying to and then, moved to Korea and then from Korea to Japan. I think to Japan, it went around 1400 years ago uh, from Korea to Japan. So, I mean, each country has like basically very similar maps, slightly different techniques where they focus on. I think Koreas are really big about uh, hand acupuncture. Um, Japan's is more palpation-based. And how, uh, you know, the United States have come across this acupuncture was that introduces, um, first it came to like West Coast because there are a lot more Chinese there. And then that's where the hem style is more prevalent. And then I think the, the master from Japan came to like Harvard, I think when they, they researched people and then they went to Japan uh, they brought the people here to sort of set up the you know, academical research and uh, people actually can practice. So uh, from Harvard Medical School, where I learned it's more of a kind of stems from Japan. Uh, very, very similar in many aspects, but there are some points that are slightly different and the skills are slightly different too. What's what they're focused on, what they're trying to treat in a traditional concept. So how are they kind of slightly different? So the points where they name and locations are maybe about 1% difference. And then the Chinese medicine, they incorporate a lot of tongue diagnosis, um, other uh, qi diagnosis, a pulse diagnosis, and then they um, 
They also uses the sensation of qi as the main goal of a treatment, where usually the patients feel that something is moving inside of their body. So maybe sometimes like when we relax, you know, we can kind of feel like tingles and things like that. Like our nervous system is changing its input to our brain. So they call it qi. Um, and then they feel they are successful if they the patient have felt that. Whereas um, J- Japanese techniques are more palpation-based. So they have a very important concept called hara, H-A-R-A, in the stomach. And then they palpate in the base, um, the stomach. The, in the stomach, they believe their whole, the problem originates from, like, so that's why all the meridians have internal organ names, like livers and kidneys and pericardium, heart. So it's on your hands and the whole, like, lines of it, but it has internal organ name. So they focus on more in the internal organs name and organs that to releasing that portion of it to release something that is blocked in your system. So again, it's trying to re- uh, make the chi, which is an energy, flow in your body, but uh, also it ba- you know it very focuses on GI system or like you know abdominal area of organs per se. Um, so you press one area that is hurting, then you can release those points by other distal points. Then once you have reduced those symptoms, then the other points that you were actually hurting, that gets better. Well, um, how I'm understanding, because I learned the medicine, you know, Western medicine, our brains and anatomies and physiologies first, is I think it's a very similar to like gate theory, gate neuron theory, where if a certain areas of your brain thinks that, okay, this, you know, chronic pain, there's usually one spot, let's say neck, right, neck pain, then the whole your nerves is more focused in that. And everything that is controlled in your spinal cord for the gate is increasing the inputs of it. But it's not necessary, right, for the bots. And I mean, sometimes it's inflammation, chronic inflammation, but sometimes it's just the nerve perceiving those pains or exacerbating the pains. So if you're reducing the sensation by, um, in translation, it's they use the word dispersing. So dispersing that energy to other places and then more evens it out and balances out, then you have a reducing symptoms of that pain or, you know, relieve the pain or resolve the pain. It seems like the nervous system plays a major part in a, a lot of the ailments that people come to see us about, probably more than we recognize overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, brain is what expresses the what perceives the symptoms right but a lot of chronic symptoms i feel like okay the accidents and injuries whatever happen and it has a result but somehow nervous system lingers there to let us know it's been there it's um evolutionally it's important right like it's not to do those things let's say you tend to sprain your ankles then you'll be more careful about walking. So you would think about something not to do that. So it will teach us those pain 
those processes will teach us how not to do it, how to prevent those things. But not necessarily our symptoms goes away even if we learn those things. So maybe that's imperfection in our body, or maybe that's how our body designed to eventually go away. But um, so I think that's how our nervous system is works. And then, um, but we suffer because after those kind of events and injuries, if the pain lingers, then this person suffers, right? So we need to reduce those symptoms to have a better quality of life. Right. That pain ties into making people feel more depressed and then that can affect their GI system. And then it's just a kind of vicious cycle that they go through. Yeah. So what are some of the typical... What are some of the typical things that people come to see you for to help them out um, as far as with acupuncture? Uh, The most common symptoms are back pain, neck pain. Um, Those are the, you know, as you can see, as a primary care physician, most common pain symptoms, of course. Um, Headaches are also common. Treated somebody with anxieties. Ringing in the ear. Um, the tinnitus can reduce some of that. Hmm. Um, so any, any kind of various symptoms that, that bothers, um, they seem to help. So let's just kind of, okay. So let's just kind of set the situation where I come in to see you. Oh, Dr. Shin, I've been having back pain for like three months. It's, oh, it's in my lower back. Oh, it hurts so much. It doesn't radiate, doesn't go down my legs. I've tried everything as far as stretching and taking ibuprofen, but nothing has worked. Right. So what's the usual usual process for you to treat somebody with back pain, with acupuncture when they come in? So the cool thing about acupuncture, you don't have to take a whole bunch of history. I mean, once I realized, okay, proper workup is done, no red flags. Uh, already their physicians has done the due diligence for that. And then we're not dealing with any cancers or something that has urgently needs to be dealt with. Then we just can focus on body, what body tells us. So um, I start palpating patients. Patients lie down supine so on their back. And usually I put the pillow on their legs so the backs are more comfortable. Most of the back pain, some back pains are really uncomfortable when they're lying down. So we got to position it right so when, you know, well, well they feel comfortable. And, uh, but most often, you know, two pillows on the legs, so that helps. Some people need like four or five pillows, but that's rare. Um, then I start palpating around, your, around their neck because a lot of times people with the pain kind of hold their attention around the neck as well. They just don't realize that's because, uh, you know, body only recognizes it at a, more important pain, so what they perceive the pain. But it's uh, there are other parts of the body that is also has a muscle spasms and more pain issues. So I start palpating around the neck, you know, SCNs and trapezius, so all around the neck area, and I feel, okay, so there's right side, there's many tensions on the SCMs or trap. And then I also start there palpating there front because even though it's a back pain sometimes it can come from pelvic pain it can be coming from hip pain so usually I palpate like a lower abdomen area 
like ASIS. Um, it's, it's like a little top of your head where it's a bony area and or a, a growing area where you would palpate mostly the inguinal pulse, uh, inguinal area. So it's kind of in a suprapubic area. So we, I would palpate that and see if there's any, you know, uh, pain or tenderness because you can compare the right or left. So you can see even if the patient did not know that there was a issue with uh, perceiving those areas of pain. Uh, when I palpate, and then they, oh, they notice, oh, I didn't know that I had a pain there. So I would do that. Um, and then based on that HARA, H-A-R-A, HARA, in the stomach area, of there's some uh, protocols we go through. And then if there's a certain area of a tenderness, then we try to release that. Then it, and then body start relaxing. So you can kind of tell you need a one and then, palpate your, uh, the person's tender or painful spots. And then it's a little reduced. So you check and make sure, okay, it's actually working. So it's a continuously communicating because the patients, you know, including myself, if I'm meeting the person first time, never actually felt their body, like where they're sending the signals. And then, like I said, uh, if the brain has a one signal that is a very intense, the other signal has been ignored. So we tend to uh, find that sometimes there were hidden issues. So we release those areas of attention. Um, in, in textbook, it's called stagnation. And then after we release the stagnation, then uh, the patient, that usually takes about 15, 20 minutes. And then we flip uh, the patient, kind of like a massage table, your face would go down. There's like a thing that holds your face. And then a person will lie on their stomach. There are some people who cannot do that, and I'll have them lie on their side. And, um, you know, of course, they will make them comfortable with the lying down for about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and then we'll, we'll now focus on where they feel the pain. So often they would have a tenderness, meaning like if I touch it, they would say that's a pain. But now our goal is to disperse the pain or reduce the signal. So we're using other points that are known in the textbooks that could reduce those uh, side of a pain. So we'll needle it and check it. We'll needle one point and check it. Um, you know, after many experiences and seeing patient a few times, you know where to go, where the needle goes, and they'll relieve the pain. So it's a so lot of give and take fee teaching. feedback between you and the patient, kind of trying to figure out right, where the pain right. is so actually it's at. Like a, yeah, yeah, where the yes. So so first uh, couple of meetings, it's very important to having understanding, communicating where the pain is, how the pain responds with the different points, because uh, there are many points who could, which could uh, reduce those painful spots of the nerve that is activated. Uh, but, you know, everybody's body is different, very similar, but also different. So we got to have to kind of practice. But after a few times, we'll learn it and it becomes a little quicker. Um, so after that, and, and then it sort of feels like the size of the pain reduces as this process goes. And later, then there's like a few tiny points that they will say it's tender. And I will just needle that area. And then the pain goes away. 
Wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So about on average, let's just say in the same situation with the back pain, how many needles do you use for that? And do those needles actually pierce the skin? So you can, you know, you know, the uh, skin layers, right? Cutaneous, subcutaneous, um, mm-hmm. those layers. It stays, it rarely goes subcutaneous. It's just the cutaneous. It's just kind of like a pinch. It's a round tip of needle. So it just gently stimulates the receptors of the skin. Um, sometimes I get lucky and I hit a tiny blood vessel and it will have a little pinprick of a blood comes out, but that's even rare. So the needle never goes very deep in this style of acupuncture. But there are some different style of acupuncture that would go deeper. And there are some points that would go deeper. But usually it has a lot of uh, fat layers that would, you know, protect it from a person getting bleeding or infection. So the risk is very, very minimal. Um, Anyway, so the, the needle goes very shallow. And what was the other question? About how many needles do you use for back pain? Oh, how many needles? Uh, I would say average about 40. Ooh. Could be 50, but depends on the person. But then, you know, as I get to know them, I could use less needles. But no. some people stay in a high number of needles. Mm-hmm. Is there a big difference between the needles used for this and dry needling? So dry needling is a little thicker and little uh, more rigid. So it's it's a stronger. And then it is mainly designed to unkink the muscle that is kind of wrapped like this. So the needle goes in to unwrap it. So it has to have a proper deeper layer of a stimulation for into the muscle layer. So those needles tends to be a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Okay. And so you said patients also come to see you for migraines for um, acupuncture. What's the difference in the technique that you use to help people with migraines? So migraine is basically the same thing. I would check their neck. I'll check their uh, head and trying to find the points that were hurting. I'll check their stomach because a lot of times in that way, you know, sometimes uh, the migraine has like a lot of stomach symptoms, nausea. They'll have uh, some tension in their stomach. There are some points in their stomach. They would have a tensions or pain. So we'll release that. And a lot of migraine that where we can access is uh, like where the muscle is, right? The temporalis, SCMs, and then the muscles in the neck as well. So those uh, muscles, we, like, if I palpate it, there will be tenderness. But those whole has a lines of acupuncture points that, again, that has uh, some... Uh, you know, some of the protocols that you, you know, release to release that you use these points or something like that. So how long does it usually take for people to see the benefit? Like, do they come to you and see you again in like in two weeks and then follow up every month or it usually takes more sessions than that? 
Um, typically, they have a relief, like as if you're getting massage. Yeah, after massage, you feel some relief, right? Like you feel better and then kind of relax. So typically, it depends on person. A person will have like 80%, 90% of a symptom that reduced. Some people may have all resolved. Uh, but after a few days, due to their habit or whatnot, that it comes back. And then we try to learn how to prevent those things, you know, what caused this, you know, how many steps that when they walk to the parking lot, they just start causing that. Well, can we do some more core strengthening? So something to prevent and something to lengthen those treatment periods. Uh, yes, every, every uh, so initially I would say every two weeks because that's typically if something happens, those inflammation happens and then, you know, how the body copes, how the body behaves, they will tell us a picture of what is, you know, main cause of this. I mean, mostly aging, but yeah, something right. other than that, or is there any other way we can cope with this? So you kind of mentioned earlier talking about opioid drugs. Have you been able to get some of these patients that come to see you off of stronger medications and just using acupuncture as their primary treatment? Yeah, there are many patients who are at least uh, cut down quite a bit of their opioid use, um, or at least they are, you know, they were able to reduce enough that they could be functioning from the day-to-day, because if they're in the very high dose, you know how the opioid can make people really not functioning throughout the day. They can make it sleepy, groggy. Uh, but yeah, some of people came like at least like very minimal. Maybe uses used to be used like daily. Now maybe every once in a while. So you kind of talked but about earlier. the people who would come to see me is like already has an intention to get better from opioids. Um, I know, you know, a lot of uh, us as physicians, we struggle. People just want to stay on opioids because uh, we know it's bad, but it's, you know, we can't really truly motivate them at times. And, you know, I know that's a struggle, but I'm lucky that where patients come and see me are usually very motivated to come off of them. Right. And how long you've been doing this as far as just acupuncture about 10, 12 years? Uh, yes, about that. I, uh, around my daughter was born 2012. So. Okay. So how, how have you seen it change since your initial, um, learning from the beginning? Like how, how has the science changed with acupuncture? Oh, well, you know, like, when we graduate from med school and training, we want to do everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I thought I could treat everything because that's what the textbook said. Um, but I realized that there are some things like back pain and neck pains are pretty good for in terms of treating those symptoms. Um, I think that a lot of mental health, like uh, anxiety, it, it's a very good therapy for helping to reduce their symptoms. But because uh, the anxiety and depression and, you know, it's more deeper, the brain kind of chemistry issues often um, noted that it's, it's probably best to keep them up with their medications or therapies in addition to acupuncture. 
So, yeah, initially, yeah, I was very, uh, you know, eager to treat everything <laughs> as if uh, my, uh, you know, like as a primary care, oh, okay, I can treat it, this and this. And, um, but I think it's a little more difficult to treat some of the mental health issues, but it's, um, I think it's more like pain, anything pain related issues. It's a little more effective. I mean, it's a lot more effective. I noticed that with, uh, experience for the past 10 years. So, you know, I can be honest in saying, yeah, the neck pain, I can help you with the pain, but you probably need to be on medications. If you have anxiety and depression, um, but I can help you with, in addition to that, to either reduce the dose of it or help with your symptoms of coping. Have you had any pregnant women come to see you to help you out with their pain during pregnancy or nausea? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Like the back pain I've been through also, uh, and nausea. Those are one of the two main things that pregnant woman goes through. And it's been very helpful because there are very limited medication options for them. And a lot of times, you know, it's uh, adjusting the brain to adjust a certain signals to send. It's it's not really sometimes a pain. It's more pressure or it's more of um, not sharp pain. So there are certain things we can also help the pregnant ladies to cope with their symptoms. I'm assuming it's pretty safe for the baby overall, but what, what's the typical process um, when women come to see you for pregnancy issues? Uh, probably the position and I probably need a little bigger bed and a better cushion. Um, <laughs> and again, the, it's a position is a, the most tricky part because they have to feel very comfortable lying down or up to an hour, although we change position in the middle of it. So the getting the right position, right amount of pillow, right amount of a blanket, that's the most challenging part. So if someone is going to see an acupuncture specialist, how do they know when they're doing it wrong? Like what are the things that they should look out for when they're going to see someone and have an acupuncture for the first time? Um, I think most acupuncturists are pretty honest and they are there to help you. And if your symptoms not getting better, obviously nobody's go there and pay the money for it. Um, but if there's any increasing, very severe pain, a lot of a worsening of pain, then in the, the loss, then they may be something going wrong. Um, it's very rare and it's only I've read in a case report or just, you know, somebody, somebody's told me about this case. But if somebody's a very uh, malnourished and don't have much of a subcutaneous fat or uh, very thin, the, the acupuncturist has to be very careful about needling. So similar to like chiropractor would have to be very careful about old ladies with uh, osteoporosis for manipulations, right? So with the one who are experienced would know that not to needle either too deep or not too many around the area of the neck or a belong area. Um, 
but I, I guess things happen. Um, I hear cases about pneumothorax, which is puncture of the lungs, where they get um, air in the lungs that were, and that's like an emergency. You air, air in the wrong hospital. space. We want okay. you to have air in your lungs, but not in that space. Right, <laughs> right. So that's pneumothorax. Yeah, that's that's one of the worst cases scenario. Um, but but again, that can be prevented from the acupuncturist being very careful. Um, I would say be aware of it. Someone keep trying to sell you like herbs and supplements. I don't know. <laughs> I would say if uh, you want to go see somebody who knows herbs and how to properly use the supplements in the right. I think you would have to use like somebody herbalist and some would do both, but it's really hard to do both. So it's like you and I are family physicians. We're not surgeons, right? So um, it's like doing two could be very difficult, although that's possible. Right. So you you mentioned earlier talking about how this can improve a person's chi inside. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from your patients, how you've helped to improve their chi? So they say they feel more energetic. Uh, they feel like, I mean, I don't say those things before because I didn't want to preempt, like as if I don't want to suggest their brain to think it that way. But they've been telling me like those things and describing in a way, oh, something moved inside. Or, oh, I felt something tickles. And then usually those patients that express those uh, symptoms, that has a great results. So, um, yeah, those are my lucky days, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, they, um, they feel like, you know, they are more, you know, energetic. They sleep much better. You know, they just like look happier. They like a different people like I'm seeing from first visit, second, third visit. And then, you know, they know it's working. That's good. That's real good to hear. Is is there a time period when you can max out on going to acupuncture? Like you've reached as much you, as you can help them out? Well, so theoretically for acute, although I cannot apply it in my current practice, um, I've heard, uh, some, you know, acupuncturists like doing this as a full time, they can see any acute symptoms two times a week. Like if you sprained your ankles, my personal experience, I went there two times a week for about two weeks. So you, you know, if it's acute symptoms, um, like you, we will do with our patients, if it's acute and then more, more severe symptoms, we'd see them more sooner, right? So it's the same thing uh, for acupuncture. You can see like almost daily or every other day for the symptoms. But a lot of um, patients that I treated, they, are, they have chronic problems. So I see every week or every other week. Uh, most common is every two weeks. But I have a patient who comes in every week. Yeah, I recognize them. I say, didn't I just see that person last week? They're back for their acupuncture. <laughs> yeah. So if you had to let, leave any lasting words of wisdom for anyone considering doing acupuncture, what would you want to tell them? 
So it's not scary at all. I mean, it's been used for 3,000 years safely with, uh, I mean, mostly safely with a few minor exceptions. Um, if you have a lot of chronic pains, you know, that you don't really have true organic problems or you have organic problems, but your symptoms are that your body is experiencing or your brain is telling you that it's greater than it should be, or you want to reduce the symptom, just try out the local acupuncturist. Um, you know, I, I, I have a, some website that I've learned that I to go and to find out who's the uh, um, acupuncturist would do this kind of style. So if my patients are going out of state or moving somewhere else and they ask me and then I can give their the names. There are different types of acupuncturists. So if you try one style and didn't work and they can try a different style as well. Um, kind of like a, different types of yoga you can try and then one may work and one may not. And so it's kind of a person. And if you... Uh, meet a person that you can trust and you can ask them if something's not working then you know is there anything else you can help me or recommend me to see somebody or try something else so it's uh sometimes it's a try and error because there's no this is not you know cookie cutter kind of a medicine it's more of a relationship and it's more of like experience in repetition, in relationship building, that if you feel, and then if you find somebody that you can trust, you can let them, you know, advise you. And again, it's 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 not a scary thing to try at all. Like, don't think that oh, needle. Um, I have a needle phobia. I I can't do that. But um, we also have a like none non-needle techniques too like those points and pressure points and things like that we can try um i can i sometimes tell my patients to use some of the massage bowls to use there in the pressure points if that were you know they were doing great within the treatment session oh this point really works for you and you gotta stimulate these points things like that so again the needle could be scary but these are not the same needles that you would think about in typical doctor's office, you know, there's a large uh, thing and a very pointy hurt. This is more like round tip. If you're looking under microscope, it's a round tip. So it's basically just pushing the skin. So um, just don't be afraid. You know, there's always a help. Your doctor may say, oh, I can't help you. But if you're sick, there's going to be help. All right. And so that website, is that something that patients can go on on their own to find out where it's the local acupuncturist in their area? Oh, yeah. So I go to, um, so the my teacher was David Euler, and then I go to his website, daviduller.com, and, um, and then he has listed all those acupuncturists in each state that would practice um, this style of acupuncture. And um, if I'm looking for specifically like this style of acupuncture, that's where I go look for. 
Okay, so we'll make sure to put that website in the show description so you can go and look it up on your own, all my healthy listeners that are listening to this episode. So thank you, Dr. Shin, for being on this episode of On Call with Dr. Randy. And as you know, I always end with Randy's random questions. Are you ready, Dr. Shin? Okay. <laughs> All right. So question number one. So you're about two to three weeks out from having LASIK surgery. What is it like walking around not having to worry about glasses anymore? Oh, my God. I'm so happy. And I'm thinking, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> it's like a new world. I mean, there's still a little bit of glare that uh, somewhat bothers them a little bit when driving at night, but, or uh, a little subtitles on the screen on the TV. But other than that, oh my God. And to be honest, I didn't know that my glasses, when I'm looking at the otoscope, that was giving me some sort of uh, like different image. Now my brain reads a lot clearer in than when I'm doing the ear exams. Like there's no... I would say there's one film is gone. So I think when I was wearing glasses that I didn't realize that was giving me a different kind of signal. But I can see the ears a lot more clear now. So it's amazing. Like, I feel like you had a, a, so a high moment. <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, oh, I didn't notice. I mean, before, how did I not like see this one before? <laughs> I'm so happy. I mean, I wish I could have done it sooner. What made you do it now? Oh, yeah. So I uh, start having like vision issues. Like my, the prescription would change. And then so I got a new glass, but that wouldn't work. It It was giving me headache. It was so, you know, blurry and it's like so weird. And then I went back to my optometrist and, and he said, oh, you need a reading glass now. <laughs> so I was like, no way. Um, so it was a shock. And then they got me like transition to progressive. And it was still giving me uh, headaches. And, and I think it turns out only when I'm a little tired, I would need a reading glass. It's not like that. But then because of its uh, transition, I mean the progressive, the different, uh, so my brain will keep having issues with the, those, the images and where to put my, you know, visions. Anyways, it was giving me a lot of headaches. And plus, um, you know, I saw my husband did a LASIK like five, six years ago and he's still alive. So, okay. <laughs> so I think that would work <laughs> for me too. <laughs> so I got his, uh, uh, LASIK surgeon's name and like, and then I got to book it. <laughs> I can I can use a reading glass as it progresses, okay. but I cannot do both. I cannot do with my glass that I used to wear. And then, but um, the amazing thing is I don't even need a reading glass now. Like now somehow everything is so clear. Um, and even at the end of the day, I just need to close my, to my eyes world. and just put ice on it. And then it becomes normal again. And then... It's good. Like, I don't need anything. I hope this lasts. 
Yeah, I've heard about that. I've heard about it not lasting as long as it should sometime. So question number two, you, Lucy, and your husband have taken many trips together. Where's the most favorite place that y'all have gone together? Um, Our favorite place. Oh, we really like Seattle. Um, lots of good seafood. Uh, we like recently Maine. I didn't think that I would like that much, but it was so beautiful, like the sceneries and how cool that was. It's just sort of escape from a whole heat wave recently we had. So it was really nice. Which one did Lucy like? I know that's the one that you like. But which one out of all the trips that she's been on does she feel like she liked the most? Oh, she said that she likes all of them. Uh, but whatever, I guess, the recent memory of hers, I mean, most recent one being <laughs> we went to Tybee Island and we saw dolphins and going up and down in the ocean. So she really loved it. Okay, that sounds good. So I'm going to go look up Toby Island because I don't know what that's in. She's already traveled to a place I've never heard of. So, but I appreciate you being on the Tabby podcast. Island is really, yeah. Toby Island is what? It's not that far. It's like 24 hours. Yeah, Toby Island. It's in Georgia. Oh, okay. So that's down the street. I'm thinking y'all went over there to like in Asia or somewhere, or this is like in Europe somewhere that no, I didn't no, know of. This right island down the- in Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So this in my backyard. I don't have to look it up. I just got to look out my window. Yeah. It's a Savannah, Tybee Island, you know, that area. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for being on Dr. Shin and showing, sharing some great information on acupuncture. Looking forward to have you again on in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you're looking for an alternative treatment to modern medicine, acupuncture may be the treatment of choice for you. It may help to treat some of your aches and pains along with improving your mental health. Discuss this with your physician if you think that acupuncture may be the treatment for you and your condition. Thank you, Dr. Shin, for being on, and I hope you get to learn how to play the piano one day. That's a little inside joke right there. I'll see you all next week. We'll discuss some feet stuff. Non-sexual in nature. We're just discussing feet stuff. (laughs) This includes bunions, toenail funguses, and other foot ailments. That type of stuff. So be sure to tune in. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to share it with others and follow me on social media at underscore Dr. Randy. And be sure to check out my website, drrandymd.com to learn more about me and check out my online store. It has my medical thriller and other items. If you happen to be watching me on YouTube on some of my episodes, some of the t-shirts that I've worn, you can find them on my website especially my melanin all day everyday t-shirt and my heart t-shirt so be sure to check that out at drrandymd.com so once again i'll see you all next week and as always stay healthy physically and mentally